Hey everyone, this is Miles, your fearless host of Relish the Journey. I appreciate you for being a traveler with me along this journey. This week's guest is kind of an inexplicable blend of things. He is a police officer, but also a farmer, farming guinea hogs in central Pennsylvania. I went to college with this guy. Very interesting conversation about how these two worlds intersect and just some really good takeaways you can apply to life, to business, and just person-to-person interactions. And that's what it's all about. So enjoy this episode with Quentin Reinford. All right. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to to talk to me. I know I hit you up out of the blue, so I appreciate you agreeing. And it's been yeah. it's been a while, man. I mean, we went to school together. But then I really just kept up loosely on social media after the fact. So what have you been up to? Uh, a whole lot of things. Um, I, right after school, I went to the academy and kind of one of my biggest downfalls as, as a person is I'm horrible at keeping up with people. So social media, I've kept up with you as far as that goes. But I think it's talking to people from college and things. It's mostly just been through social media. But after college, you went to the academy, became a police officer, which was completely probably out of the blue for from your perspective. Yeah, I was going to um, ask you that because I don't remember. Were you a criminal justice major? Nope. I was a biology major. <laughs> okay. Ecology focused, environmental science. Um, you know, I was doing the whole laboratory thing. I worked for a fish and boat commission while I was in school, like an internship for a while for like three years and then after graduation just kind of realized that really wasn't where I wanted to what I wanted to do and I didn't want to spend the rest of my life in a lab or doing the whole science thing so I think it was like two weeks after graduation it was my first day of academy so so what took you from uh from science to police work I really wish I had I as I was listening to your your podcast in the last like week or so I was like trying to think of it and my wife will tell you I have a horrible memory (laughs) um one of my favorite sayings that she uh gave me was that we were together and I forget the rest because (laughs) uh seems to be how my life kind of goes there's a lot of things I don't remember details of but police work was kind of something that was always in the back of my head my brother-in-law growing up uh my sister's uh, mid-30s so when i was i think 15 he was going through the academy he became you know he was dating my sister at the time they eventually got married and they have two kids now and um so i just got to watch him go through the academy you know start his police career and he was pro- he probably had five ten years on uh when i was looking to graduate college and when I was kind of looking at myself and being like, I don't know what I want to do. And I have to, you know, I got loans coming up. I worked security. I like filming. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, I do. Um, I was an RA. So I was kind of, you know, we were doing rounds through the dorms and stuff. And as corny as that seems now, but back then it was like, oh, you know, this was, you know, not police work, but we were doing security and like kind of, you know, talking on the radio and working at, you know, the center there, taking calls and stuff. So, um, anyway, long story short, I just, it's just something that I was like, you know, this is something I want to do. I want to help people. I want to be able to have a job that I'm proud of. I think that's what really what it came down to is when I was looking at um, biology jobs and applying to different jobs in the biology field, I just wasn't proud of, like, I wasn't excited to tell someone, hey, you know, this is the job I'm, you know, looking at. And when I thought of police work and when I, you know, thought about going to the academy and, and doing that job, it was something that, you know, made me feel fulfilled and, and was something that I could really be proud of. Yeah. Saying this is my, this is my career. Sure. And that's super important. I think 
a lot of people get wrapped up in what they're, you know, quote unquote, supposed to do or what they majored in. Yeah. And then they get five years into a job and go, what the hell am I doing? Yeah. You know? So it's great that you figured that out, you know, quick. Yeah. So that's not you. That's important. So what's the police academy like? I mean, all I know about it is what you see in movies and TV. Yeah. You know, is it super intense? Pennsylvania is weird. There's a handful of different academies. Most of them are based through colleges. <laughs> so they're very college-like as far as, you know, the classroom. You know, it's not like... It's not like basic training where you show up and you're getting like smoked and, you know, they're treating you like crap. And right. there's a little bit of that. It's very disciplined, very regimented. You know, you got to look right. For the most part, it was like a, a very quick, very intense six months degree. I mean, definitely not as hard as the four year degree, but, um, you know, we were taking tests like every every other day and maybe every three or four days. And they just put a lot of pressure on you because if, like if you failed a test, you had to wait to the next academy class to retake it. And if you failed two, you were out and like you were just done. Like you couldn't, you just got to restart altogether. Wow. And so there's a lot of pressure in that, in that sense. But for the majority, it was just a lot of, it was a lot like going to college. And, um, you know, there's a lot of hands on stuff too. But for the majority of it was like classroom stuff. Right. So now that you are a police officer, what's something that like, you got wrong all these years being a civilian and looking at police officers. Now you're on the other oh, side. Um, I think the biggest thing is that police officers are just people. They're just guys, girls that are just doing a job for whatever reason. You know, they, they got into police work. They, the majority, vast majority of the guys I work with and the women I work, I've worked with are just out there because they truly are good people and they want to just help people. But they're also just doing a job. They're there because, you know, this is the career they chose and they're, they don't want to deal with the crap, but it's the job they chose and that's what they're doing. Sure. And is it um, like 50% paperwork, 50% out on the roads or? Oh my word. It's like 90% just pure boredom of waiting for something to happen or, <laughs> you know, driving circles and um, ton of paperwork, ton yeah. of paperwork. Just, I feel like you never get caught up with your paperwork where you're just constantly doing reports and then waiting for something to happen. So what's an average day at the office like? Are you at a desk, in a car, a little bit of both? A majority in the car, just out, you know, like I said, driving around, looking for things, sitting in different places, pulling cars over, waiting for an actual call to come through. Um, I work midnights, so I get in at like midnight, you get a coffee, go out on the road, and we, I work in a college town, so you got to think about like the college kids are in town, our, our town doubles in size overnight when when school's in session and we have like another extra 14,000 people in our town so at working third shift we're busy from like midnight to three o'clock four o'clock maybe at the most we'll be running different calls dealing with fights drunk people whatever and then it just kind of dies and you go back to the office do some paperwork and you're ready to go home and then in the summertime you, you deal with a whole different it's like you're working in a whole different town because all the college kids are gone and you're just dealing with your normal everyday small town usa calls so so it really is funny how much working security at a college helped prepare you for third shift as a real police officer yeah, yeah all those times of being an ra dealing with yeah. some passed out drunk and now i'm still kind of doing the same thing just 
getting paid a little more and it's a career, I guess. Yeah. So is there like one wild story that sticks out in your brain of like, no one would believe it happened if they didn't know you and that you were telling the truth? This is definitely a question I should have prepared for. (laughs) Definitely did not. The craziest story recently, and it's kind of a a longer story, but um, I used to work in Lewistown, which is kind of sort of where I came from. But anyway, um, that was like four years ago. Uh, We had a call for a guy for, no, it was a a stranded motorist or like someone broke down the middle of the road. I show up, start talking to the guy. He actually has like some sort of like skin cancer, like something on his face. 100% look like a zombie, like one of the freakiest moments because you were not expecting that at all anyway dealing with the guy really this is a sad situation when you think about it because i think a couple weeks later he actually passed away but you fast forward another four years i'm now at my current job and met a couple friends met a lady that was an er nurse and we're you know sharing stories and she starts telling me about this guy that came in that was like had this crazy cancer that they've never seen before you know that was eating into his head and stuff and sorry for all the grossness but uh um, and she, she's like telling me about the story my wife looks at her and goes you know where was this guy from she's like Lewistown, and we're like realizing putting two and two together that you know her and i both met the same person and had the same crazy story about this guy just kind of interesting but yeah that's pretty wild uh, we deal with all kinds of crazy stuff and we kind of you get numb to it and you don't really think about it anymore and it's not as crazy it kind of kind of gets boring um or just gets normal i guess not boring but normal to you so yeah that's interesting right because what most people might freak out at you're just like oh it's another day at the office (laughs) like it's Mm -hmm. it's work it's interesting all right last cop question Yep, and then, just because I feel like if I don't ask this, then I'm not a normal human. You probably get asked it all the time. Uh, How fast can I actually drive before I'm going to get pulled over over the speed? Uh, that's a, that is a good one. <laughs> that is a good one. Um, I don't want to give anybody secrets. Um, I feel like my crucified for this, but um, <laughs> typically in a residential area, like around 10 miles an hour. And then if outside of that, like 15. Oh, wow. I think would probably, probably be. Yeah, I'm uh, pretty conservative. I hover around the five to seven. I don't yeah. like to push it too much. That's kind of always where I've stuck is like the five mile an hour zone. Yeah. But in reality, when you're out running speed, yeah, you're looking for the uh, fifty people going fifty in a thirty-five. Gotcha. But, is that so? Is that fun then? Run like quote unquote running speed as you're saying it. Is that like the the, the most fun that you do when you're cruising around? Because it's like. I don't know. I feel like it'd be um, like playing a game. Like you're shooting the radar, you're you're getting them, and then it's the chase and all that. Not really. Um, honestly, in Pennsylvania, uh, local police aren't allowed to use radar, so we're really limited in where we can run speed. And it's fun at first. And there's there's days where I go out real motivated to do it. And I'll, I run some speed, but I'm more like I mean I work third shift, so there's really not a whole lot of traffic out. So I'm more I like stop people that are walking around or different right. stuff like that but not really my thing traffic got it so if you work third shift when do you get home i get home at like 8 30 8 o'clock and i typically go to bed sleep for a couple hours get up do animals or sometimes i do my chores beforehand this really depends uh, third shift really screws with me as far as like trying to do you know everything else in life yeah i can uh, imagine kind of makes you a zombie but um once you get into a rhythm of it it's not so bad. Well, and, and you mentioned it. You said do animals, which we should clarify. <laughs> Everyone, get your heads out of the gutter. That's not what he meant. 
Um, I always think about that. Like I'm texting my wife, you know, I'm going to do the animals and I'm like, nah, I need to change that. It's, yeah. I'm going to feed the animals. <laughs> I'm going to feed the animals. <laughs> and so that's one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you was because I keep seeing all your stuff on Instagram about your farm and it was just super interesting and reached out to see if you'd be interested in, in talking. So it's called Powerline Farm, right? That's what the Instagram yep. account is. So yep. talk to me about that, you know, the size of the farm, what are the animals that you do <laughs> or feed, you know, give me the yeah. rundown there. It's funny, like, it's funny to hear people call it a farm because, I mean, it is. It's, we, my wife and I live with uh, my wife's grandfather. We live in like a little basement, so we call ourselves the, sw- the cellar dwellers. That's why I'm sitting on my porch where the only place we have service. And um, so we live with my wife's pap and her, my in-laws, her parents live like I'm looking right at their house, like hundred feet away. But we have this little, I would call it a hobby farm. Um, it's 16 acres. We have just your, your typical farm animal. We have chickens, we have goats, we have rabbits, and we have pigs. And the reason I call it Powerline Farm is there's a big uh, PPNL power line that runs through the majority of the property, and it's actually where the majority of our pasture is. So because PPNL constantly um, is trimming trees and keeping the power line open and manageable, I started putting my pigs on the power line to kind of keep the brush down and not need uh, PPNL to come through and you know maintain the power line. But um, kind of going with that too, we also I don't know I don't know if you were able to find this on Instagram, but we also own 30 acres, um, approximately like 10 minutes away from where we live right now. So we're just kind of in the middle of a big transition as far as our farm farming expertise, I guess. I don't know. So is the goal to hone your skills on the hobby farm and then move to the bigger plot of land? Exactly. Yeah. I grew up on a dairy farm. So, and we, when I was 12, 11, 12 years old, we, we moved, we sold the farm and moved. So it's always kind of been a part of my life. Majority of my uncle's farm, mostly dairy farming. And so when I met my, my wife came here, we li- we started living. When we got married, we started living here and we come home from college I remember when it was, I was, I guess, working police work. She was still at Lake Homing and we come home from college on the weekends and, you know, just work. It was kind of weird, like work in the garden. We'd split firewood, um, build things, all kinds of stuff. So that's kind of been kind of the rock of our relationship, I guess. I don't, is just getting out there and working together. And so that's kind of what we've been doing on this, on the 16 acres is just experimenting, trying to, new things um i did meat rabbits for a little bit like i said with the rabbits i have two rabbits now but they're just kind of pets i guess but i did meat rabbits for a while where i was trying to you know rabbits really breed perfect uh they breed like crazy <laughs> like rabbits right. um, like the saying goes and so i would just i did that for probably six months and realized nah, i don't really like it not really my thing and just moved on to the next thing um so so, so. it seems like from all your posts that your favorite thing is the the pigs or the guinea hogs, I think that you call. It. I don't know the difference, yes. but <laughs> they're American guinea hogs is the breed. Yeah, definitely my favorite. They're the things that has stuck around the longest um, in our experimenting with different animals. Um, I we got them three years ago. I think it was in March, so it might actually be coming up on four years this March um, that we've had the guinea hogs. They are a heritage breed pig which 
I don't know if anyone knows what that means, but it's just essentially means that they're an old breed that's been around forever. The story with them goes that there was a pig brought over from New Guinea, hence the Guinea hog, and it was mixed with some kind of European hogs. And eventually, uh, Thomas Jefferson supposedly kept some of these pigs on his farm. They're a smaller breed pig that has a lot more fat than a commercial pig. They don't really take a whole lot of feed to grow, and they just are very docile. And pretty much, if you had a big enough land, you could just let them free range around your farm, and they would be happy and fine. So then are you raising them for... Like not like you mentioned pets for rabbits, but I'm assuming at some point you're eating them or selling them off or. That- yes, uh, we. I started out with two uh, females and a boar uh, male, and just started breeding. I right away, like I was selling so many piglets that we didn't really have any um, to keep for ourselves to eat. But I've gotten to the point now where I have enough pigs where we can butcher for ourselves, butcher for our family, and then sell piglets kind of on the side. Um, any extras that I have. And then I'm right now I'm working towards trying to sell to people that are looking just for like a freezer. They call them like freezer hogs or freezer pigs where they buy a pig from you, you take it to the butcher and they pick up all the meat from the butcher and, you know, put it, fill their freezer and they buy it. Usually people buy one pig a year and that lasts them throughout the whole year. Wow. So what does a piglet go for? If I wanted to buy a piglet, um, depends. The guinea hog has a breeders association and they have like paperwork and lineage for each pig. My pigs are what they call registered pigs. And so I have lineage from my whole family of all these pigs. So if I wanted to, I could sell you a piglet that was registered or I could sell you a piglet that was unregistered. So if you wanted to buy a piglet just to raise up and kill for yourself and your family and butcher, um, probably like hundred, 150 bucks. Hmm. Um, a registered pig, like 200, 225. Wow. That's crazy. So what does it mean? I just, my brain's going so many questions. It's interesting. (laughs) So then how much does it cost then to raise a pig? So is it like, I'm assuming it's profitable, right? I mean, if you're, you're charging it, you're not running a nonprofit, Um, but it's just, well, and that's where my downfall is as a, (laughs) I was not a business major. Um, I'm a cop professionally and a farmer kind of full-time, part-time, just for fun. And so business is not really my strong suit, but it is profitable. I figured it out once. It's like 50 cents a day for an adult pig. Now it's like a, like a full-size pig. Um, obviously, when they're little, you know, up until like eight weeks old or maybe six weeks old, they're not really eating any feed. And then from two months old to about a year old is how the butcher age for this uh, particular breed of pig. Costs increase the more you feed them, obviously. But I haven't really sold a whole lot to people to really know, to be honest. Um, I've sold two pigs to a restaurant in Williamsport, and that was fairly profitable. It's a lot of work, though. It's like, because there's no USDA butchers around here. And so if I want to sell a pig to a to a restaurant to be sold to other people it has to be stamped and said that it's good and so in order to do that i have to drive it an hour to hazelton wait a day go back out pick it up and then deliver it to the restaurant so it's like a two-day process just to deliver this pig wow Uh, so there's a lot of things to learn and a lot of things i don't know and that i'm not good at but um i really enjoy just the the raising of them and being able to just have our own meat i mean that's really 
the reason why we, we started with pigs was because we haven't bought pork in like three years just from the store at all, which is awesome. Wow. Yep. And you're not tired of it yet? Like, it's all, all you eat is pork? There's just so much of it? Or? <laughs> no, we, we kind of have to ration it because we don't, we don't butcher all the time. But yeah, the bacon, we definitely ration. Um, I think we have one pack left. Um, I, so bet that, that is, yeah, I bet it's that pretty is good bacon. That we buy. Yeah, the, the bacon is amazing. It's my first time ever making it last year, like by myself. Um, it was a cool process. It was really neat to learn. And then I made two, two like normal smoked hams um, that we kept in the freezer. Had one for Christmas and one for my wife's birthday. Just like as special yeah. treats, I guess. So yeah. how do you teach yourself how to make bacon? Or do you have somebody there guiding you? Or are you just figuring it out? Um, that's kind of the neat thing about where we live is Courtney's paps right here. He's lived here his whole life. Um, so on the property, we have like a wood shop, we have a butcher shop, a sawmill, you know, barns, little sheds. He's like a pack rat, like keeps everything and use your typical old timer and, um, has all those skills, uh, and the knowledge of how to make bacon and those stuff. But honestly, I took what I've watched him do over the last couple of years and my wife's, uh, my wife's father, he's very good at all that stuff too. Just kind of watching them, learning from them and then taking honestly YouTube and just watching videos of people doing it. Um, Instagram's big. Um, there's a Instagram called the Farmstead Meatstead, I think is what they're called. And they all they do is talk about butchering, talk about how to cure different different meats. Mainly they deal with pigs and they deal with uh, lamb. So they'll just do podcasts and, and blog posts or Instagram wow. posts, Instagram stories, just telling you this is how we do it. It's wild. It's a whole other world. Yeah. So when you're raising these pigs, is it hard to then butcher them and eat them? I feel like I'd get them getting attached to the pig and just to be pigs everywhere because I couldn't kill them. Yeah, it's something I've grown up with. There's a funny story from when I was a kid. I had we grew up on a dairy farm, and I had always had one cow that was like my pet. And a dairy farm, you don't really you're just milking cows, so you don't have the yearly cycle of butchering off animals like you do if you grew up on a pig farm or a chicken farm. But every once in a while, your cows would get sick or they would some, they'd go lame or something and we would butcher a cow. So that was always a big tradition. Like every year we'd raise a pig on the farm, we'd butcher it. And, you know, I had a cow that was my pet that my dad ended up having to shoot, unfortunately, and we butchered it. And the big thing was I didn't want to be there when they killed it. But after that, went down and as a family, we all helped butcher my that cow is messed up as that sounds, but <laughs> That's crazy. Um, it's just something I grew up with and something that I understand that a lot of people aren't familiar with and, you know, isn't a part of their lives. But so for us, it's really not a big deal. I mean, it's definitely, it's definitely hard and it's definitely something that we don't take lightly, but it's either that or you let them grow old and, you know, get sick on your farm. At least if you're providing them with a good, good life, they're, you know, the famous saying in this type of farming that I've seen is, you know, they only have one bad day and that one bad day, is, <laughs> you know, you make it as quick and as painless as possible. Sure. And, you know, to honor that, that animal. But we also, another way to kind of help yourself with that is the pigs that I raise for meat and that I know I'm going to butcher. Um, I don't want to say I treat them differently, but they don't get handled that when they're little, like, like you would a pet ones that I want to keep for breeding. Um, I'll handle handle a lot more, spend a little more time with, especially when they're little and get them, tame them essentially. 
And then the ones that I raise for meat, I don't spend as much time with them. Obviously, they all get treated the same, but that way they're not quite as friendly. They're not, you know, up rubbing against you or, you know, anything like that. So that, that helps. Yeah, that makes process. sense. But yeah. in reality, it's just something that I'm, I'm used to and that's something that I've grown up doing. I mean, that's, that's why we raise the animals that we raise so that we know how they live, what they eat, and can give them a good life. Well, it's interesting because it kind of goes back to what you talked about with police work where to some people, all this stuff might be just insane that you're seeing, but then you just get used to it. And it's really, you draw that same parallel to farming that not everybody's used to it, but you are. And it's just another day at the office as it were. Yeah. Yeah, kind of. And it's definitely similar, I guess. I don't know. Well, when it comes to farming as it then ties into police work, Mm -hmm. do you find like they cross over at all? Like things that you take from the farm you apply in police work or vice versa Mm, i don't know i think the sometimes uh intense situations at work or something um this isn't like maybe maybe not a correlation between the two but we'll sometimes bring up to people that like we're talking to guys that i work with yeah he's a he's a pig farmer or or something along those lines and just maybe breaks the tension with somebody where it's like oh you know this, this dude's just more than just a cop i guess I don't know so much correlation farming is more like my meditation, my relax, like it's my de-stressor from work. So I don't really mix the two of them very often, but sure. that makes sense. I was just curious if there was any sort of parallel that I just, I wouldn't have thought of, you know, mm, not that I can think of that. So you said you're back uh, beginning when we started talking about farming, you said you're in a transition period right now and you talked about the other 30 acres. So mm-hmm. are you moving forward here soon with jumping over there or what's, What's the overall um, plan? The eventual plan is that, so we bought 30 acres about 10 minutes from where we live now, about five minutes from my work, and it just has a barn on it. It's got a stream, big fields, woods, uh, pond, and the eventual plan is to build a house, uh, move over there, and kind of move everything that we want to take with us as far as animals over there and just kind of continue this process of figuring out what we want to be as farmers or, or as it's weird to call myself a farmer because I don't really ever I don't really think of myself as a farmer but it's more or less just what we want to do for our family as far as what animals we want to is for us to eat um, we always talk about getting cows getting sheep and just trying different things with the property but that's probably like a five-year plan yeah. so we'd like to get our house built in the next year or so would be ideal but it's it's a long a long process i'm sure you're very familiar with oh that. yeah no well <laughs> do it for yeah. work and then we just did it ourselves so yeah yeah it's it's fun though when it's done but there's a lot to, there's a lot that goes into it for sure well, we've, we've definitely take the have taken the unconventional um route as far as you know most people don't buy 30 acres as their first you know big purchase and most people buy it you know, a house and then maybe move up and get some land after that. So we've kind of just taken that leap and saying, look, we want, we want to have a farm. This is what we want to do. And let's just do it and, you know, make it work. Yeah. You're in now. Yeah. So the other thing I saw on Instagram, in addition to the pigs and everything was, I think it must be on those 30 acres then because it looked like a different spot, but you guys bought a school bus and you're turning it into an Airbnb. How does, how does that fit into the the five-year plan? Uh, we are we have projects going like all the time. We have just different stuff that we start stop. The bus we bought, I think 
two years ago, maybe more. We bought a school bus from, I think it was called Pitter Patter Homeschoolers. I don't know what it was. It was somewhere up in the Loyal Sock area. And bought this bus for like 1800 bucks. Uh, drove it down here, uh, ripped everything out of it, put in a fold-out couch. I built a little countertop and put like a sink that drains. It's going to eventually drain through the floor and um, put in a table, a little stove, all kinds of stuff. But eventually we've liked to turn into a, a B&B. We parked it at our current farm right now, which we don't think we've posted many pictures of it there. It just kind of sits next to our barn, but it has electric hookup there. The problem with the farm is we don't have any bathrooms, so we couldn't really open it up to be a B&B yet without figuring out, you know, how we're going to either build a porter pot or an outdoor shower or what, what we'll really do with it. But um, it's just been neat because we've been able to use that as a place to stay over at the farm when we just want to go, like, camping or something. Yeah, that's really cool. That's but we had one year, I think we had it as our, it was our 4th of July, we had a 4th of July party here. Uh, and just kind of used it as a, I don't know, like a centerpiece, I guess, where people could go in and, you know, had food in there and stuff. But right. It's neat. That's it's just been a neat little project for us. Uh, the, the goal was to have it to be mobile and, like, you know, drive around it and stuff, but we've kind of run into some legal issues as far as titling it as an RV. But for now, it's, it's worked really well. It's just kind of like a, a cabin. Well. Yeah, that's really cool. Well, I think it's funny going back to something you said earlier. You said you struggled with calling yourself a farmer. Then you also said, you know, you didn't weren't a business major, but really, whatever you call yourself, whether it's police person, farmer, you know, Airbnb guy, you're really an entrepreneur at the heart of it all. Like you're building and running multiple businesses at the end of the day. So yeah. I think that's awesome, and. I think it's interesting too. Like you say, you struggle with calling yourself a farmer. People say that about me too. They're like, oh, you're starting a business. You know, my website's mm-hmm. RTJ Media. And they're like, oh, so you're starting a media company. And I'm like, yeah. well, I guess. <laughs> you know, I never really stopped to think about it like that. So yeah. I wonder if that's just the same thing for you where from the outside looking in, I can look at you and say, yeah, Quinn, you're an entrepreneur. You're crushing it. You're doing all these things and you're just taking the action that most people don't take. And they just say it, they want to do all these things. Yeah, it's just stuff that's I've kind of started and not really, it wasn't like I set out and was like, okay, I want to start, you know, a farm business or I want to start, you know, this. It's just something that I want to do. It's, you know, it's just do it. I don't know. Yeah, no, I agree because I'm wired the same way. I was on a podcast um, last week and the guy interviewed me, asked me what advice I'd have to people that want to start a podcast. And I said the exact same phrase, just do it. Like mm-hmm. you can talk about it all day long and want to do it. but So just actually yeah. do it, figure it out. I mean, you won't know until you actually roll up your sleeves and try. Yeah. It's funny because I see, you know, this is, goes along with the social media saturated world that we live in. But, and I think part of the reason I don't see myself as a farmer is because I follow all these other farms, you know, to learn from them. But then I also look at them and, you know, you compare yourself to them where you're like, wow, like, what's, look what they're doing. You know, I work third shift. I have a full-time job. My wife has a full-time job. And, you know, it doesn't feel like we're really working as hard as we could with our, you know, farm business or whatever you want to call it. But we're still doing it. We're still, you know, just because it doesn't look like somebody else's social media account doesn't mean that um, you just kind of lose that perspective sometimes. Yeah, but, I, yeah I agree. Because then... For you feeling like that, there's somebody that found your social media account and they're looking at you like, oh man, he's a farmer. Like I just have, yeah. you know, a raised garden bed in my backyard <laughs> in my subdivision. Yeah. 
and yeah, exactly. to you, they're a farmer. So you're right. It, the perspective is everything, and mm-hmm. it's interesting. So do you think you guys will ever do it full-time, or do you think it'll stay as, like, the side thing? Um, for me, it definitely, at least for the next 25 years or so, will probably be the side thing. Um, my job right now is great, pays well. I have a retirement, all that stuff. Um, I would love, and I, my wife's on the same page, too, she could kind of take it over and in our future when raise our kids, run the farm, kind of, you know, this life of homesteading slash, you know, homeschooling or whatever, whatever may come. Um, I would love for that to be able to kind of build it up to the point where my wife can stay home. She has a great job now, though, and it's, it, she's working for a small business called Wild for Salmon. And Oh, yeah, I've heard those guys. Yeah. Yeah, it's neat because she's learning all kinds of small business skills. Uh, she was a business major uh, at Lycoming, and so she has so much more experience with the social media. Um, I think about it all the time. I said, I, sh- I should just let her run the farm account because she would do such a better job. Cause that's what that's what her job is, pretty much, is running those types of accounts and, you know, working with a small business. So hopefully someday, you know, at least one of us can be full-time farmer, homesteader, whatever you want to call it. But I don't think... In all honesty, I don't think I could give up being a police officer. It's just, I don't know. I just, I love it as far as that goes, but I also love farming. So it's just weird struggle. Yeah. Well, yeah, you do both for as long as you can and then you pick one, right? So. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, I think you guys, it seems like you're doing it the right way too. Like a lot of people try to put too much on the social media before they even have anything to talk about, you know? So yeah. you're figuring out and you're learning what you want it to be so that when you do start putting the effort into it, yeah. it'll be something of value and not just, like you said, the social media saturated world. You're not just throwing yeah. crap at people, you know? Yeah, I don't I don't post very often. Um, I do stories more than anything. But hopefully someday, we're, I mean, the other thing too is we. I don't want my social media account or my business to grow much too fast because – here when we do move to our other farm it's not going to be called powerline farm anymore because it wouldn't really make sense sure um so there's that whole problem of rebranding your whole yeah, business that's very true way through you know it might you might have to keep the powerline farm if it does too well too soon so right well that's but, perfect then you take everything you learn on the powerline farm and then you turn it into whatever it is and you start right from day yeah. one doing it the way you want to do it do you guys have a name yeah. yet for that farm um i think so corn run is so there's a there's a stream that runs through it and our our barn is was built in like 1860s i oh, think wow. and um the stream that runs through there is called corn run so we have all kinds of ideas like corn run farm corn run distillery would be neat like if, for whatever reason we got into distilling like it'd be perfect that'd be awesome um, you get the whole corn theme like so hopefully someday corn run farm will be on instagram and you know, that'll be the business we're running. But I don't know. We we have so many different, like I said, so many different projects going on. We're just, I guess, just passions of ours. Like, we go to auctions all the time. We have so much antiques just laying around. Um, our barn is full of, you know, just old stuff. Um, we all, My wife always dreams of going and tearing down old houses and, like, repurposing all the different stuff in them. And, right. you know. There's a huge market so for that, yeah. Yeah, so we don't really know where our lives will take us, which is awesome and scary at the same time. But that's kind of why we're living the way we're living. You know, we're, 
living with her family as cheap as possible and um, just saving her, her pennies and just trying all kinds of new things as they come to us, I guess. It's awesome. Well, if you need a taste tester for Corn Run Distillery, just let me know. Yeah. I'll be happy to oblige. <laughs> all right. So going through all of this, whether it's you know deciding you're not going to do biology and you're going to become a police officer to saying, okay, in my spare time, I'm going to start farming. <laughs> What's been a really good piece of advice that somebody bestowed upon you along the way? I feel like I cheated with these um, with listening to all your podcasts. <laughs> That's okay. Um, I took notes like the whole time of, ah, you know, this is you know a really good piece that I got from this person's, um, and I think thinking about it, this question over the last week or so, the I can't think of a, a like a phrase or anything that anyone you know bestowed upon me as of advice, but growing up, I my, my dad passed away when I was young. And I had a lot of father figures that stepped into my life from the age of, you know, eight, 18, even till now, um, that I just watched and that I, I worked with, um, that just distilled in me hard work. I think, um, growing up when I was like 15, I worked on a sawmill with my godfather and, you know, every Saturday we'd be out there all day working on different projects just, and he worked full time as a teacher. And ran a uh, a woodworking, you know, a wood sawmill business on the side. And then my father-in-law now, like he works full-time construction, like 70 hours a week, and then comes home and cuts firewood or works in his garage. And it's just constantly, you know, doing a little extra or, you know, just working hard. I don't know how to explain it. But so that's just something that I've always taken away um, from the different people in my life is that if you want something, just just work hard. Yeah, that's awesome. It certainly rubbed off on you with everything you got going yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> so if you were going to give somebody a piece of advice, you know, somebody our age, really, I'll frame it that way, that maybe feels like they still don't know what they're what they're doing with themselves. You know, we're knocking on thirty, and so it's like, geez, what am I doing with my life? What piece of advice would you yeah. give? Uh, it's another thing I've thought about a lot recently because I am, you know here in four months i'll be 29 and just thinking about all the things that i've done so far i think my advice would be just to whatever it is that you wanted to try or wanted to do just just go do it i know it's not you know groundbreaking advice but in the same manner as the advice that i was given you know if you want something you got to work hard at it you know it might suck at times but if it's something that you really love and something you really wanted to do just do it um so you don't have that that regret or that you know when you turn 40 and look back and say man what, what have i been doing yeah i've said that in the past on a few different episodes whenever i feel like whenever people have a birthday and they're really upset with the age they're turning it's not so much the age it's what they haven't done in that amount of time you know like yeah. oh man i'm turning 30 that's the worst thing ever it's because mm-hmm. they you know they drank their 20s away or whatever you know and now they're like yeah. what did i do so it's amazing how the best pieces of advice tend to be just the simplest. You know, it doesn't need to be some fortune cookie saying <laughs> it's work hard and then just go do it and put your head down. And, you know, if you do it longer than anybody else, chances are you'll be more successful than other people too. You know, just don't give up and keep going. So Definitely. I agree with that. So Mr. Police Officer, Farmer, Entrepreneur, Bed and Breakfast Owner, how would you describe this journey of yours so far in three words? I think in three words, I would call it just one big experiment, just like we're doing now on, on our 
current farm is we're just experimenting we're just trying you know all the things that probably if we had bought a house and been living the stereotypical american dream we wouldn't have the opportunity to do because of finances because of you know whatever else um we've been able to try all the different things we want to do we got to go to to uh india this past summer with my family we got to you know obviously farm we got to try any little business opportunity that we wanted to try we were able to try because we live kind of that unconventional life and are able to experiment and try all the things that we wanted to try that's awesome yeah have you have you found that you've gotten any like pushback from people like ooh, why are you doing that you know why don't you go by the white picket fence and you know any any haters out there that you've had to deal with um not really. Uh, I think people expect it a little bit from us, which is good. I guess I, I've never really done, I guess, the conventional thing. I don't know if you know this about me, but we, before high, before I went to college, I went and spent time in India. It could be a whole other podcast, probably. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, um, I, I did remember that from the fraternity days. Yeah. yeah. And I, you know, and then we, when we got married, we decided to move into a basement, uh, that, you know, this little, little tiny apartment. And so I don't, I don't think it's, it's something that people just expect from us. The biggest thing would probably be grandkids, but that's, that's normal, I think, at our age, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yep. And then once you have one, people ask when the next one's going to come. When the next one is, yep. <laughs> no, yeah. But that's, it's awesome, man. Well, this has been, informative for me you know I, I feel like i learned a lot and i think other people feel the same way so before we sign off is there anything else that you want to share talk about ask me impart to the world well i definitely don't have a whole lot of wisdom here. um trying to think if i had any questions for you um i guess i did have a question for you it's maybe this is you might not have an answer but i guess as i was thinking about this podcast i was thinking about like you know what is what is something that I really love or something, you know, besides farming? And we talked about it a little bit with the, you know, making bacon and like with making scrapple and stuff like that. Like those old timey heritage skills that um, are kind of getting lost potentially with our, our generation. Is there something that your family or people that you, you know, you growing up or whatever that you heard of or something that your family did that you would consider like an old timey skill that's, potential to be lost wow that's a great question man you put me on the spot too because my family listens to this so i have to have a really good answer um (laughs) it kind of sticks with the theme of of farming and everything sure um man my mind's going through a bunch of different things um i know i mean yes the short answer yes there's a sum i mean my brain goes to food right away just because Mm -hmm. my family you know food's big uh, at every gathering and um primarily Polish in uh, heritage on my mom's side and um, uh, making pierogies from scratch is something that my great grandmother used to do. And, you know, my sisters do it now and things like that. I have not, you know, I just buy the Mrs. T's in the freezer section. (laughs) I haven't made it myself, but that's one thing. Um, And I don't know, I feel like if we're going to go with the theme of what you said on what's being lost with our generation and you could consider it old timey, but it's something I feel like my family is is really good at is just being present in the family. You know, it's it's really easy. We talked about the world of social media and, you know, to get lost in 
just the superficial side of things, but then there's yeah. picking up the phone and talking to people. It's getting together at the holidays and for people's birthdays. And, mm-hmm. you know, we have a family Facebook group where it's all my aunts and uncles and cousins and That's sisters awesome. and just checking in and posting updates on stuff. And so yeah. it's weird to say that like, communication is quote unquote old timey, but yeah. I think that type of communication is. Um, so yeah. I think just really it's what I like about this, you know, project is Mm -hmm. just having a conversation with somebody just like when was the last time you know you and i talked for an hour (laughs) you know so it's just forcing yourself to cut out the noise and have that engagement with somebody whether it's face to face or over the phone and i think that's could be considered old-timey as weird as that sounds i feel like that's something my family's good at so yeah that was something i really liked about when i was listening to some of your other conversations was that even beyond like you know having the opportunity to talk to all these different people and re- catch up and um you know the, giving other people the opportunity to listen in and kind of catch up third party and then also that you're kind of keeping this as a time capsule for your son which i think is really neat um yeah thank you i think that's i think that's neat that he'll be able to look back and just forever be out there and be able to just just listen to your your stories or whatever yeah, it's like, where was I at this time of my life? And I can look back and it's mm-hmm. it's one thing I want to get back to doing is I used to keep an actual like written journal pretty religiously. And so I have back there like, what was I thinking before I proposed to Claire and our wedding yeah. day and actually brought it to the hospital when our son was born. And so stuff like that, that I'll, I'll treasure those things. I, I just don't want to, you know, I'll have this too, but I'd like to have both. <laughs> you know, this would be the yeah. public side and there'd be certain private <laughs> thoughts I can keep written down. So yeah. Absolutely. That's great. Well, I appreciate your time and your words, and I think the world will too. And I look forward to following Powerline Farm and Core Run Farm and Distillery, whatever it becomes. Yeah. And whatever it turns into. I'll keep keep tracking your story here. We'll have to do a follow up episode once you're in the middle of the home building or launching yeah. your school bus or whatever you got going on. Definitely. All right, that's a wrap for episode 42 of Relish the Journey. Thank you all for listening, and thank you for Quentin for being our guest. You can check out his farming journey by following him on Instagram. It's at Powerline Farm. And as always, you can find us at rtjmedia.com. Be sure to like and subscribe the podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts. That's how we stay relevant in this world of growing media. And if you want to talk to me, hit me up on direct message or email me. It's Miles, that's M-Y-L-E-S, at rtjmedia.com. Till next time, cheers.